you, I'll marry you. Watch Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Ready PG-13. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Uh, I was it. I'm, I'm in on bear country. I don't know what it is about those guys. Maybe it's just my love for big, bearded, sweaty men. I don't know what it is, Jeff. It's still real to me, damn it, damn it. everybody welcome to this week's edition of the still real Tush show episode number 578 from march 11th 2021 this is your aw revolution recap and review edition of s r t u i'm one half of the show i am jeff peck joined every single week by my co-host and explosion expert unless you're the fbi the one and only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, what is up, my friend? Oh, nothing. He's just you, you saying that reminds me that with this beard, every time I have flown in the past 20 years, um, it's, sir, can, do you mind stepping out of line for a moment? So, you know, it just, it just, I'm like, yes, I don't look like the Taliban, but uh, I, I guess I can play one on TV uh, based on my uh, stereotype of my look. Have you, did you ever hear the uh, the Bauer Show episode? I've always told the story about like uh, when T TSA like pinpointed myself, my girlfriend, and my brother purposely in line. Uh, I, I have not heard this story. So, geez, this had been about seven years ago now. So we're we're standing in line at an airport. We're going to uh, vacation. My brother, who's about four years younger than me, my girlfriend, myself. Uh, so I don't. know. I'm in my mid twenties at that point. I, nothing suspicious. We're like in uh, fire department wear, all this stuff, like just like a sweatshirt for this is, has like a fire department logo on it. So uh, we get, we get, uh, I, I see the TSA, their agents are talking to somebody and they're, they're basically training someone. And I see them like pointing at us. I'm like, oh man, this isn't good. This is not good at all. They're watching us. And uh, like they have them walk by us. I, I, I'm like, we're in a backpack. Like it's nothing crazy suspicious. So put the backpack through the TSA, all this stuff. And, uh, they, they pull me aside. They pull me aside, put my girlfriend aside, put my brother aside. And they start, uh, interrogating us basically like right then and there. They're like, listen, something came up on this machine. We're going to have to split you guys up, check you out. I'm like, just do whatever you need to do. Do whatever you need to do. So make a long story short, all of us are separated. The person who is with my brother, uh, my brother tells them that we are volunteer firefighters and, uh, the person that's with my brother turns to the guy that's like going through my, my stuff. He's, he's on the verge to, you know, put his gloves on and, and go through my waistband to make sure that I have nothing on my waistband because that's what people do. And the guy looks at me, he's, he's, he's like, yells to the other guys like, yo, these guys are, these guys are firefighters. The guy looks at me. And says, dude, why didn't you say anything? And I looked at him and I said, and what am I supposed to say? <laughs> hey, I'm a firefighter so that you could tell me like, okay, what the hell does that have to do with anything? So right immediately then and there, they stopped. Uh, this is like a rather small airport. And the person that they were training, for whatever reason, whenever I go to this airport once or twice in a normal year, 
still remembers me, asks how I'm doing. Like, he'll be the guy that's, like, taking my ID card, looks at the ID card. He's like, man, how you been? Have you, you ever been here lately? I was like, yeah, no, nope, I'm doing my normal trip. Uh, that's my story about the TSA, Dr. Trey. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out. So for those of you who have never seen Jeff Peck, um, basically, you know, fair-skinned, red-headed guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, his girlfriend, beautiful young lady as well, but like nothing about her you know, says terrorist. I assume your brother doesn't look that much different from you. So like, did they think that you were like, the Irish Republican Army or something? I'm trying to figure I out. I don't know. All I could think of is that we were probably stereotyped as young people traveling and that we may have had, like, drugs on us or something or, like, alcohol. Because, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, they did an awful job of, of, like, like I said before, they were staring at us, and I could just tell, like, this wasn't good. I didn't say anything. And then afterwards, I was like, yeah, I, to- I saw them totally, like, eyeing us up while we were in line and knew this it was potentially coming. And they... they like I said, the worst. The, basically, they were like training this guy on what to do if that type of situation ever arises, and who's the easiest person to pick out in that line. So it's like us and a bunch of old people, like going to Florida or whatever. And uh, it was just, uh, it was just one of those days. It was like the very first time I ever felt like I was stereotyped for age, I, gender, race, whatever. I was like, this is this is bizarre. This is not a good feeling. Now I've I've never been yanked out of line and have my stuff first. I've been pulled out to be wanted. Like, you know, automatically you're getting wanted. Um, but I have had that happen where I've been traveling, um, and I've actually had you know state trooper pass the vehicle I'm in, look over at me, and then drop back behind me to then pull me over. And I'm like, oh, that is all stereotype. I mean, it's literally just be you know they're wearing like a a beanie and a beard. Therefore, I must be transporting something illegal across the country. Um, but I, to me, like the idea for you guys is probably they were like, well, we're training this guy. Who's the most non-threatening person in this line? <laughs> oh, the ginger and his lovely girlfriend. We'll pull them out. They won't cause a scene and we can harass them as much as possible. It's like that uh, that famous like eye, like the Terminator eye, like going and scanning the crowd and it's like boop, boop, boop. And then it locks in on me and then just like scans right up there and then like zooms in on my face and has like a profile of who I am. And it's like uh target, you know, target identified basically. So that's what it was yeah. TSA. I'm sure when you guys opened up this wrestling podcast, you had no idea we were going to lead in with a, a joke about the AW revolution explosion, which we'll get to here momentarily into how I was uh, stereotyped and pulled aside by the TSA, both of us, Dr. Trey and I. So we are survivors of the TSA, which I'm sure many of you that live in the United States have a TSA uh, horror story as well. I'll save the time that they uh, nearly lost all my luggage with my cell phone and my wallet in a uh, a scanner. It was on my carry-on bag, and, and they decided to move it to another carry-on aisle and didn't tell me. I'll save that story for another podcast for another day. But uh, lots of discussion here, folks. AW Revolution this past Sunday, not Saturday, which... I know upset a lot of fans. Now, nobody gets upset when the WWE does their pay-per-views always on a su- Sunday. But when AEW moves it from Saturday to Sunday, it's like, what the hell, TK? Because everybody calls Tony Khan TK. Like, what are we doing here? Like, we're so good. Like, this, is, this is so bad. But it seems like uh, they moved it. Why did they move it? It was like, was it a NASCAR race or something? It was something bizarre as to, oh, it was the Golden Globes. That's why it originally was announced. For late February, because that's what re- most wrestling fans watch is the Golden yes. Globe Awards, uh, which I'm sure at next year's Golden Globes, the ending AEW Revolution, probably nominated. Just going to guess. Let's get into it. Pre-show Dr. Trey. Rio and Thunder Rose to take it on, which was originally supposed to be Dr. Burt Baker and Rebel, uh, not Reba, turned into Maki Ito, making her AEW United States debut to tag with Dr. Burt Baker uh, and who has quickly became a fan favorite with amongst many fans. We had Rio and Thunder Rosa. Dr. Britt Baker and Maki Ito, uh, Ito won the match. Gr- good pre-show match. Dr. Britt Baker and Maki Ito got the victory thanks to Rebel hitting Thunder Rosa with her crutch. Uh, I don't know much about Maki Ito, but I like what I've seen from her thus far. Good influx of talent in the AW w- women's division lately, which is something you would expect as some of the travel bands are opening up. The Maki Ito singing her theme song while the match was beginning, uh, going on at Wednesday's Dynamite was a very fun uh, moment. And you could tell the announcers were not expecting it because they must not have been given the heads up that that was going to be going on. 
Dr. Trey Rio and Thunder Rosa lose. Dr. Britt Baker and Maki Ito win. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, definitely an interesting match. Like, uh, I, I love the Maki Ito character. I'm not so far, though, out of the two matches I've seen. Not really a huge fan of her in-ring work. Like, she is very, very timid and light in her in her strikes. I don't know if you caught that, but, like, some of these punches out her form, she was throwing in kicks, were very, very soft. Um, but the character is one of those ones that's like, okay, I can really learn to love this character if she can just increase her, her in-ring stuff. But uh, yeah, not a bad way to kick off the show. A uh, little surprised that, you know, Britt got the win just because it, it kind of, you know, like when we think she should win is when they have her lose, and when we think she should lose is when they have her win. So uh, she's always had this really weird, awkward booking, I mean, throughout the you know her entire run so far in AEW. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a strange one. It, it certainly has been a strange one um, and something I can't get my head wrapped around because I figured by now that she'd be women's champion in AEW. Next match here is from the, uh, quote, main card, the Young Bucks defending the AEW World Tag Team Championship against Chris Jericho and MJF. I had the Young Bucks. Dr. Dre had Chris Jericho and MJF, and the Young Bucks retained the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Good tag match to kick off the main card. Good stuff from the Young Bucks, Jericho, and MJF. It was basically what you would come in to expect from these four. I, I know that's nothing insane, but it was not a bad match. It wasn't anything that was like, this is boring. It was a good, solid tag team match. Your thoughts as the Bucks retain over Chris Jericho and MJF at AEW Revolution? Yeah, I, I, it was it was a pretty good match. I, I enjoyed it. I was a little surprised that they had Jericho take the pin. Um, just thought they might have done that you know, with MJF you know, spotting that thing. But overall... Fun match, and then uh, you know it, it was kind of the tease, the start of the teasing of the tension of MJF and Jericho, which we saw come to a head Wednesday. Yeah, let's get into that part, Doctor Trey. So, closing of Dynamite, Inner Circle War Council. Uh, fast forward, MJF trying to get the Inner Circle to attack Chris Jericho. They they obviously try to bait and switch MJF so that they were in on it the entire time. Lights go out. MJF MJF has a new stable. That includes Wardlow, now also leaving the inner circle, FTR, Sean Spears, and Tully Blanchard. It was a really good close, I thought, from uh, for AW Dynamite this past Wednesday night. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm a fan of stables. Inner circle now all of a sudden become baby faces, and we've got ourselves a uh, stable battle that will probably take itself all the way to double or nothing uh, in the way that AW books things. So really good stuff the 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 booking of MJF Jericho inner circle stuff over really since all out has been very good an enjoyable storyline to follow and i'm digging where it's headed next your thoughts as MJF has a new organization backing him up yeah like i, I was i liked the way that played out like i thought it was really well done uh you know all the little swerves and as soon as MJF got in the corner started begging off i'm like where's Wardlow and then i was like there's going to be a double swerve here. Like there's going to be something else. And then sure enough, it was there. I thought it was really well done. Uh, interested to see how this all plays out though with, with the new group, because if you go back to the previous dynamite, when Sean Spears made his return and, and sided with FTR and Tully again, and then Arn comes out of the tunnel and gives the sideways for horseman symbol. Like, does that mean Arn's in on this too, or is that just like him giving them a not? Like, I don't really get that. Um, but, you know, it, it's really interesting because when you look at a horseman type stable, you need that kind of heel, mouthpiece, you know, pretty boy kind of in the focal point. And MJF fits that role perfectly. Plus, it gives the inner circle a chance that guys, I guess, turn babyface and then Sammy returns to the group. Um, and I'm a big fan of seeing Sammy and Jericho together because the uh, sex gods were one of my favorite little incarnations of the inner circle early on in this whole in this whole thing you know a year ago. So it's gonna be really fun to see how this plays out. And you know AEW, where WWE for forever has always been anti stables for the most part. They'll have one maybe you know running at a time. No, not not AEW. Everybody's in a stable in the tag team in AEW. So you got every and, which makes sense because. If you're in locker rooms, there's always these little clicks that form, so it does make sense that, you know, that would parlay over into the wrestling world. So AEW, the land of a thousand stables. Yeah, what I really liked, too, was uh, how the announcers were playing up that Chris Jericho never gets uh, outmaneuvered, outsmarted, and MJF did. And I really liked the way that MJF carried himself during the part where his new stable is beating up on the inner circle, and he just sat on that top rope yeah. staring 
and uh, it wasn't goofy. It wasn't stupid. He just looked like a main event level player, and it carried itself out to the entire close of the show. So really enjoyable end to AW Dynamite. I guess if I had one thing, Dr. Trey, is like we all saw this coming. Like we, we figured that, you know, right after All Out, when MJF was saying that he needed a posse, needed a stable, he wrestles Chris Jericho at full gear. Uh, they all become one big happy family the night or the dynamite after they join the inner circle. And this goes on for months and months and months. I just feel like I would have liked it, seeing it carry over at least one more stretch heading into double or nothing before you pull the trigger and let it build towards all out, or at least maybe in the middle of summer. And that's how you build it towards all out. I, I would like to see this gone a little bit longer because I think if there was anything predictable, this was probably predictable that we figured at some point, this is how things were going to turn out. Yeah, I, I I liked it because I did not see, you know, there was rumors going like who who would be in this group with Tully and FTR and Sean Spears, and you heard a bunch of names thrown around like Nick Aldis and some other people, and, and there were people saying MJF, but to me I kept thinking, well, it would make sense if you know to me the way, the way it was headed was MJF would take over the inner circle and then maybe Jericho gets the spot with the Horseman type group. Um, the double swerve though I thought was pretty good, so I, I don't. I, I kind of wish it had built up that tension a little bit more before they pulled the trigger. Maybe a little bit more of the guys looking like they're siding with MJF before they got to the point. So maybe it was a couple of weeks early. Um, but I'm also really interested in seeing how this all plays out because, you know, FTR has been presented as, you know, a tag team that was with Tully, but like kind of like a main event standalone tag team. And then you had John Spears who kind of been off on his own, trying to get his own thing going. You know, it, it's, Kind of interesting to see how they pull all these guys together and see how it fits, uh, and if there's good cohesion. Um, because, you know, outside of AEW, these guys, it's not like these guys were friends, you know, before they came to AEW. These guys are all kind of joining together now. Uh, so it's going to be interesting how that dynamic works out. Next match here was the Casino Tag Team Royal for a future AEW World Tag Team Championship match. Dr. Trey and I had Pac and Ray Phoenix winning the match, and they did win the Casino Battle Royal for tag teams. Uh, it was a fun tag team battle royal. Enjoyed the final sequence between Ray, Ray Phoenix and Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy fighting off Death Triangle was a nice touch to continue elevating him. Uh, Young Bucks versus Pac Phoenix is going to be fun. This was a really fun battle royal match. Usually these things um, can be a clusterfuck, Dr. Trey, and that wasn't the case on Sunday night. Really enjoyable match. Yeah, and you know they love pushing Jungle Boy, don't they? Like Every time they have some kind of battle royal or some kind of tournament, Jungle Boy is like right up there until the end. Um, it does show that they, they have kind of big things planned for him to kind of keep him on. He's kind of like on the back burner, but like he's always got a nice little steam going behind him. That way, if they ever need to launch him up, he's ready to go. Uh, I will say this. I'm, I'm in on bear country. I don't know what it is about those guys. Maybe it's just my love for big, bearded, sweaty men. I don't know what it is, Jeff, but I, I, I like their gimmick and I like their characters and, and they I thought they had a decent showing in this battle royal. So um, that depth of the AEW tag team division, I mean, that's it's it, it's incredible how deep that tag team division is. Just because we always compare things to NXT, I was thinking the other night as I was watching uh, NXT television as well that the tag team division in NXT has all of a sudden gotten very deep as well. Yeah. Do, do you think that AEW still has a deeper tag team division than say AEW does right now? I would say from top to bottom. Yeah. Like, and plus, I mean, you look at the depth that they have too. like, you know, you look at NXT and you got Imperium and you got, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, undisputed era. You got the grizzled young vets, uh, you know, and, and Brizongo and, uh, the Escobar's group. Um, you know, they, they've got some depth, but they're probably, you could probably say maybe six to eight teams deep. And, but, uh, but, uh, AEW, I mean, they run in 12 teams deep in this thing. So I just think they have more depth and their quality at the top is just as good as NXT. So I, th- I think AEW has the deep, deeper tag team division. All right. Next match here is, uh, for the AEW women's world championship, Picaro Shida defending against Rio Mitsunami. I had Rio, Dr. Trey, Hikaru Shida, and Hikaru Shida did retain the AW Women's World Championship on Sunday. Good title match. The AW Women's Division needed this match, especially Hikaru Shida as the face of the Women's Division. Uh, I would love to see a Shida-Mitsunami rematch. Uh, they've been doing well lately, the Women's Division. Like I said earlier on in the show, good influx of talent. Definitely helps with the travel ban uh, no longer being a problem for them to have Japanese talent be able to be imported into uh, Florida for their matches. 
Uh, good run for the women's division lately, and this showed in the Sheeta and Mitsunami match, Dr. Trey. Yeah, I would say it was a good match, but I, I would still think like a good AEW match is about maybe like the third best that NXT could put out. So whereas AEW's tag team division is probably deeper, uh, NXT's women's division is still way deeper. But it was a good showing, and, and especially with, with you know this influx of, of new Japanese talent. You know, you talk about Ito, you talk about Mitsuyami. You know, there's there's a bunch of new people coming in. I mean, Rio is, is relegated all the way down the ladder now, and that was that was the face of this company for the first you know six eight months of this you know brand. So uh, they're they're building their depth, but. You know, I, I still don't know if they have the character development yet in all these women. I mean, you got it in Britt Baker, maybe probably Nyla Rose, Sheeta to a degree, but after that, it's still kind of all over the place. Next match here is Miro and Kip, Miro and Kip Sabian taking on Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. I had Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor, so did Dr. Trey, and Miro and Kip Sabian got the victory on Sunday. Uh, weird stretch for Orange Cassidy lately after so much momentum coming out of the Jericho feud. Match was good from a storyline perspective as Miro shoves Orange into Penelope Ford. It appeared Miro taking out Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassie has obsessed him now. And it looks like that this is going to lead to a match where if Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy lose, Chuck Taylor will be Miro's butler forever. And that it will be like video games uh, surrounding ringside. Uh, I didn't feel this match, Dr. Trey. i got to be honest with you. It's uh, It's been a weird stretch for a guy like Orange Cassidy who I thought was going to get the rocket ship coming out of the Jericho feud and winning that feud. And he's been really minimal lately, to be honest with you. Your thoughts here? Yeah, I don't know if I'm interested in the uh, video game Lumberjack match. Uh, that's kind of how they pitched it to me. But, but you know, it is weird. I, I think part of this is I, I don't buy into Miro and Kip being best friends. Um, and although I do buy into Chuck and Trent being best friends, Orange just doesn't still seem like it's he's in – He's always felt like he's like the weird cousin that a family has. Like, yeah, we love him, but he's really weird. We don't get that close to him. So it's, it's this whole rivalry I've, I really haven't been into. Um, and you're right. The, the, the rocket ship that Darby Allen has gotten, I, I thought, might be for Orange Cassidy. And really, since the Jericho, you're right. Like, he's kind of fallen flat, and there really hasn't been much going on with him. I mean, you thought maybe he'd feud the inner circle some more, maybe some more, like, you know, with some of the bigger guys, the Lance Archers, the Brian Cages of the world, and yet he's in this feud with a guy who had another bad wedding experience. So it's just it's just <laughs> awkward all around there. Next match here is Hangman Adam Page taking on Matt Hardy in a big money match when it receives the loser's 2021 first quarter earnings. Uh, I had Hangman Adam Page, Dr. Trey and Matt Hardy, and Hangman Page won on Sunday. Uh, it was a solid match. Matt Hardy showed he could still go. Hangman very rarely has a bad match as well. Uh, the entertainment that will come from Page having Hardy's first quarter earnings was the right call. AW should ramp up or ramp Hangman up for an eventual AW World Title match by the end of this year, in my opinion. I uh, saw a little bit of it where uh, Big Money Matt now has recruited the Butcher and the Blade to be part of his stable, along with Private Party. They'll have a match with Hangman Page and members of the Dark Order on uh, this upcoming Wednesday's edition of Dynamite. So, uh, entertainment wise, it, 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 it makes sense. Match wise, it was good. But kind of like Miro and Kip Sabian and Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor, there was I really didn't have much interest into the storyline heading into this one. But but then again, it was it was a very solid match. What you would expect from Paige and Hardy, Doctor Try. Yeah, and and the other thing I'm still waiting to find out where does this whole thing with Adam Page and and the Dark Order go? You know, it's like they're all buddy buddy. Like I will say, it's Wednesday night seeing them all try to jump on the lawnmower. I thought it was hilarious, and then seeing my buddy Allen kind of pass the side. I thought it was really good, but you know, is he going to be the leader of this group or is he, you know, what, how is this whole hierarchy for the dark order going to play out? Because, you know, before the tragic passing of Brody Lee, they were on a roll. And then to the past, they've kind of been these ancillary or these auxiliary characters that are kind of funny and entertaining, but they don't really fit in anywhere. Um, I'm, I, I want to see where this goes, but, and then, you know, but Butcher and Bunny get recruited to Matt Hardy because, you know, Eddie Kingston risked his life at the end of the show. So we'll get back there in a little bit. All right. Next match here is Cody Rhodes, Scorpio Sky, Penta El Cerro Meadow, Mieto, Lance Archer, Max Caster, and to be determined, which was announced to be as or revealed to be as Ethan Page, which I thankfully correctly called in a face of the revolution ladder match for a future AWTNT championship match. I had Ethan Page 
Dr. Trey had Scorpio Sky, and Scorpio Sky did win the match on Sunday. The ladder match didn't click for me for some reason. It seemed off, had some boring spots. I was happy for Scorpio Sky getting the victory and for Ethan Page to land in AEW. I liked seeing Scorpio Sky turn heel during the uh, match with Darby Allen on Wednesday's Dynamite, and he looked at his hands a la Bob Backlund. But this match just didn't do it for me, Dr. Trey. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's... I don't know if I want to blame Cody or not for this. It just kind of feels like if Cody's in a match and he's not going to win, he has to take some crazy move that takes him out of the match and that justifies somebody else winning. And I don't know if you've picked up on that or if anybody else has picked up on that. It just kind of feels like it's a trend for Cody. Like he's in these multi-man matches, do something crazy and stupid or you know, take a you know crazy bump. And that's why somebody else is able to win. Um, but yeah, it just, it, you know, plus I think part of it is like, how, did we really need literally a giant brass ring? <laughs> I thought it was a like, bootio. I thought it was a leftover uh, bootio. Exactly. I mean, it just looked, I'm like, I thought it was like one of those pillows that people that with hemorrhoids have that they <laughs> sit down on. You know, it just, and it, even like the final picture of seeing, you know, Scorpio Sky hugging a giant Cheerio. I was waiting for the bee to fly out and, and put him into a commercial right away. But it's just it, it I don't want to take away from the guys in the match. But with the giant, you know, Homer Simpson donut hanging above the ring and Cody taking this weird bump that caused him to be injured to another match. I think it just kind of took away from what athletically was very compelling. It just it just felt, you know, cheesy almost. Which wasn't cheesy, but it will be interesting what Dr. Trey has to say, is the next match. Brian Cage and Ricky Starks taking on Darby Allen and Sting in a street fight. We both had Darby Allen and Sting getting the victory, and they did win this street fight match. Uh, very fun cinematic match. If this is the best way to keep Sting safe at this point in his career, in his career, so be it. I'm here for it. Uh, the only thing, Dr. Trey, is I could have done without the commentary, which I think a lot of people felt that way. It'll be interesting to hear your thoughts. Uh this, to me, may have been in the pandemic era of wrestling, quickly racking my brain. I think this would be a very distant second to the Boneyard match from WrestleMania 36 last year. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was AEW's version of the Boneyard match, and uh, it's been – some of the cinematic matches have been meh, but this one I thought was pretty good. Your thoughts on the street fight? Yeah, uh, the commentary – it's hard to do commentary with the cinematic matches because – you're presenting it as live, but obviously with cutaways and edits, you know it's not. So it's kind of weird to do it, and it kind of came off like a like a bad watch along, you know, as far as commentary went with it. But cinematic wise, it was really good. It was really gritty, really dirty. You know, I, I liked the way it was presented, um, and we talked about this when Sting signed with AEW. Like this is a good way to protect Sting. Uh, and make him a compelling character. I don't know how many times you can go down this route with it uh, before people kind of, you know, start getting burnt out a little bit, you know, a la, you know, the Hardy compound matches and stuff like that. But I, I thought it was really well done, really shot cinematically very well. It kept everybody still looking pretty good in, at the end of the match, and it was compelling. And I would probably put it... Uh, let's see, probably second as well. Like, I really liked it. I'm trying to think of, like, do we count Edge and Randy Orton's street fight at WrestleMania as a cinematic match? No, I wouldn't. And so, I mean, I mean, it was kind I of I would say, like, it, Bray and Braun from Extreme Rules, Money in the Bank, yeah. uh, uh, the Stadium Stampede match. That was pretty good, too. Then you got Ciampa Gargano. That's true. Yeah, that was certainly in that vein. Um, I'm sure there's more that we're missing here. Yeah. I mean, the Stadium Stampede match, I think, was more fun. Like, that was just like a fun romp. And kind of in the same vein as what the men's Money in the Bank. I, I, I don't want to separate. I, I, I kind of separate the men's and the women's aspects of Money in the Bank because they were kind of like two separate storylines. Um, but yeah, I think I'd probably have this one second. I thought it was really, really well done. I mean, and maybe if the commentary wasn't in there, it might have been a little bit closer to the Boneyard match. I mean, maybe that's why it's kind of pulling it down. All right, then let's get to the main event here. Kenny Omega defending the AEW World Championship against John Moxley in an exploding barbed wire death match. 
Uh, we both had Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega did retain the AW World Championship at AW Revolution. Uh, violent match that you would expect. I felt like this was not the best of the Moxley Omega matches thus far in AW. I enjoyed their full gear and Winter's coming matches more. And then obviously the explosions at the end was very lackluster, but obviously we were getting where they were going with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley to close the show. The match itself was brutal and violent. Reportedly, Kenny Omega was upset with the ending, the uh, the lackluster explosions after everything that those guys just put themselves through. And that should not be lost in this all. While it may not have been my type of match, I mean, for what those guys were doing, I mean, absolute massive props for doing it. And it sucks that the only thing people are talking about were those stupid explosions at the end. And uh, this may not be a popular opinion, but I got to say, I didn't like what Tony Khan said immediately after on the media call. Uh, after AW Revolution about what happened with the explosions, and then that also carried itself over to Impact Wrestling during the paid uh, commercial that Kenny Omega is not very good at building uh, explosions. Like, I thought that was very lame. But I thought AW did a good job covering it up on Wednesday night and moving forward, and that's the only thing they could do. That's the best thing they can do. This is certainly something that will be over their heads for, for a little bit of time is, is this lackluster uh, explosion that took place. But at least they acknowledge it, poke fun at themselves, and uh, they're moving on. And rightfully so, from a storyline perspective. Match was brutal. Explosion was Shockmaster-esque, Dr. Trey. Your thoughts, Omega defeating Moxley. Yeah, I, 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 I think I might have liked this one a little bit better. Like, So if you take out the explosion at the end, so let me just take the ending out. Everything else at the end, I think I probably would have had it above their full gear match, but not their Winters. Wait, which one was the was the Winters coming where they went to the giant pile of barbed wire? No, that was full gear. Okay, so I like full gear. I tell you that. So full gear, I like better than this one. I like this one better, a little bit better than Winter's Coming. Although the ending for Winter's Coming, fantastic. This one, obviously not. Um, I, 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 I'm a huge fan of Eddie Kingston turning face though with this. Uh, I'm, you know, it's it's sad <laughs> that it kind of gets lost because of the ending, but the fact that we're going to get Kingston and Moxley together. Like, I am so looking forward to this because, I mean, we saw a little bit on Wednesday night. Like, the chemistry between those guys just sitting on the couch, cutting a promo, playing around about it, like, it was so good. Um, so I'm really looking forward to see where these two guys go together now. Um, obviously, this is why, you know, Butcher and the Bunny end up with Matt Hardy because if you're turning Eddie Face, you got to do something with those guys. So they, they kind of tied it up into a nice little package there. Um the explosion, I, I'm thinking like Shockmaster, and I'm thinking of um, the Rocky Mountain uh, Sting Vader situation. Like, it's just so anticlimactic for what you're building up to it. Um, I told Jeff off air, it was like they had blown their budget on Cody's Pyros, and they had to get the Walmart July 4th package uh, for the ending to this match. Uh, and, and for being very gimmicky, I thought they handled it very well. You know, with the explosions, with the barbed wire, I thought they did all that stuff well. It's just a shame that this is going to be overshadowed by such a lackluster finish. Um, it's, it's, it's. I don't know. Like, what, what do we hate more? That the, if you could rank it, Jeff, what was worse, the finish of this match or a Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia? Oh, I mean, <laughs> oh. I mean, I hated what they did to the Fiend with Bill Goldberg. Like, I was very disappointed. This I laughed at. Yeah, like I was watching it live, and I saw it. And I was like, "Oh no, this is, this is going to be bad." And what did ever? What did I do? Like every other per- person that watched it live probably did, jumped on Twitter to see what the reaction was, and they had the same reaction as I did. Be- Here's the thing: I really like AW. I really enjoy AW's product. They they've really truly won me over. But there's still this part, whether it's the fan base or even the company themselves, and rightfully so. That's great that they take a lot of pride in what they do. There's a ton of arrogance there still, right? Even some of the stuff, here we are months later, which could be you know a topic in itself on the show. I really don't like the relationship that has, has kind of come out with Impact Wrestling and them because while you get AW stars on there and there's going to be a big match in April between Omega and, and Rich Swan now for title for title, I feel like Impact Wrestling has looked like a second-rate citizen. To AW and now the stuff with Tony Khan is it at times can be really good and at times can be very cringeworthy. But AW has this like very much like pound in the chest, like we're the best, we're the best, we're the best. And I get it. I mean, that's what you do in competition uh, for anything. Like you're you're a little bit arrogant, and the fans are certainly that way too. And and 
they just had that stupid awards with Meltzer and like Meltzer, we gave out basically just AEW wrestlers, the wrestling observer awards, which was bullshit. Like, like best women's wrestler went to an AEW star. Like that's ridiculous. Like best non wrestler went to an AEW star again, ridiculous. So to make this long winded answer short, there's the arrogance from the, the organization, arrogance from the fans. And it was one of those like WWE aha moments that if, if you like seeing the world burn a little bit, you enjoy that. And I enjoy that because there are some real arrogant pricks. And sometimes you need to see like an AW get, get on their ass a little bit. So I, I thought that they had some really bad, you know, yoke on their face in this one, Dr. Trey. Like I, I thought this was embarrassing. And I do think it is in a way Shockmaster-esque, which is uh, ironic because once again, there's a Rhodes holding a pencil that's causing one of the lackluster explosions of all time. I don't know if you feel the same way. Love AEW, but sometimes their arrogance can piss me off somewhat. Yeah, it it it, it reminds me of WCW right after eighty three weeks after their eighty three week run, where they had the arrogance, but then you know it was the lit- it was the attention to detail. I always felt was like one of the big starting downfalls of WCW. It was like little things would slip through the cracks. As a fan, you're going, how'd you not double check that before you did it? You know, and that's kind of how I felt with this. Like, this is your main event match. It's an exploding barbed wire death match. And you didn't check, double check to make sure the pyros were going to work for your big climactic finish, which was going to lead into your next storyline involving you know, arguably your biggest stars in the company. Like, it's that a little bit of attention to detail of the stuff that sometimes when I don't say the inmates are running asylum, but when there's not those checks and balances in place, I think slip through the cracks and just makes AEW look bad. And I'm like, I, I love the AEW product 90% of the time. It's just that 10% really just drives me nuts because it's not little things. It's things that should be mundane and routine. I don't know, did, when you watched Wednesday night, did you notice a sound issue yes. when you were watching Dynamite? <laughs> I'm like, how yes. did you, it sound like a basketball game was it, going on next door? It, it, it was a basketball game. Yeah. Um, and, and they acknowledge it. Like, TNT had a problem. I, I watched it on a little bit behind, and I was looking at I was listening. I was like, I, I can't hear what Ethan Page is saying. And it happened with during some promo. Yeah. I, it was, it, um, then Ethan Page and Lee was, Johnson had – it was the Lee Johnson – QT Marshall backstage vignette. I'm like, I can't. Did I just hear a whistle blown? Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I was uh, waiting for the Michael Jordan entrance song to come on at one point. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm like, but it, it's things like that. It's that attention to detail that drives me nuts that they miss because it's, it's things that's like, hey, so we're shooting dynamite tonight and there's a game going on next door. We should probably do something about the sound, right? Like, well, it wasn't. Like, it wasn't their fault. It wasn't AEW's fault. It was actually TNT's. So, what, were they piping in like an NBA game? Or they something? accidentally had some sort of. So, my understanding is, and this is just my thinking. I have not seen this on any of the dirt sheets. So, Turner Sports also, my understanding, runs the NBA television. I would imagine that some sort of poor board operator back in Atlanta, Georgia, where this was accidentally piped in an NBA game and it was just the the background noise it was there's no commentary so you would hear like and one from LeBron James and the crowd cheering and like boom boom tsh, boom boom tsh. like at one point there's like Ethan Page is climbing at the t- on the top rope or Lee Johnson is and you just hear boom boom tsh, boom boom tsh. and like da 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 like it was if i had to guess some sort of poor board operator screwed things up on a nationally televised show. So I wonder if the NBA game was getting the Tony Schiavone and Excalibur <laughs> and Jim Ross talking about Ethan Page and Lee Johnson. So I, yeah. I, I do think it was a mistake. I don't think it was AW's fault. But but I also hate, to, to the credit here, I, I didn't like years ago when Triple H called AW pissant, pissant company because I just thought that was wrong. And, and now there's rumors of NXT jumping from Wednesday nights to uh, Tuesday nights. So we'll see. It was just an overall bad thing and very bad taste in my mouth to close out the show. And just you just feel bad for Moxley and Omega for doing all that crap and then looking like that, especially Kingston's character. Like Kingston's just this badass, 
and he's covering himself over John Moxley for sparklers. It's like real, and then he then he covered up where he has like anxiety from being at Rikers Island or was in jail. <laughs> like you know, I give them props. At least they tried. Like WWE would just ignore it. So I, w- right. I would have gone. With, by the way, as a, as an NFL fan, you'll appreciate this. I would have gone with the I have anxiety from hanging out with Jason Pierre Paul on the Fourth of July. Really? Okay, yeah. I mean, you could have gone that route. You could have definitely gone that route if if Tony Khan like, wanted to. Yeah, Take I'm some saying, shots, at, you know, shots at Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, Jason Pierre-Paul blew off his fingers. He so, did. You know, he did. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it, they we, they bring it up every year. I don't know about up, in, up in, in Connecticut, but every year in Alabama, there's always these warnings on commercials about, oh, yeah. hey, be careful with fireworks. You can lose a finger. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And JPP is definitely the guy that could show that out. Jason Pierre-Paul, who plays for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, was playing for the Giants at the time. AEW Revolutions, predictions record. Dr. Trey and I both went 5-4. and four. I'm 22-10 and 10 on the year. Dr. Trey, 20-12. and 12. Uh, Match of the night, event rating. Let's get to it, Dr. Trey. I will go first. Uh, my event rating for AEW Revolution was a 3.4 out of 5. I gave Darby Allen and Sting versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks my match of the night. What say you for AW Revolution? I was at a 3.2, and I also had Darby, Sting, Cage, and Starks. Yeah, it was a good night overall uh, when it came to those matches. But uh, AW Revolution, tough night, tough night. And they've had they've had a they haven't had a great run here uh, of some pay per views lately. They have their their moments, but this was definitely one of the most. Uh, this I think this was the worst AW pay per view I've seen so far in its brief history, Doctor Trey. Ooh, I don't know about worst um, because there was that one. The uh, what was not fighter was a fighter fest. The first oh fighter yeah, fest? in the beginning there, yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. But I don't, cons- I don't bad. consider that one. Maybe it's the worst one of the pandemic era. Okay, I can definitely. I think it's that. out of their big four. I think this was one of their worst ones. If you're looking at the start of Dynamite, I would say that this was their worst one. I mean, I, I, I guess when you look at all these AEW pay per views, like. They all have like really great moments, but they also have those moments where you're kind of left shaking your head going, what the hell was that? And then this one just seemed to have a few more of those shake your head, what the hell moments. Uh, one moment that uh, shocked me was during the pay-per-view was uh, the new signee for AEW. We heard Paul White mention it, that Hall of Fame worthy signing at Wednesday's Dynamite. They would reveal themselves at the uh, Sunday pay-per-view, and boy, do they did as Christian Cage has signed with All Elite Wrestling. Here we are. Christian is five weeks ago performing in the Royal Rumble for the first time since he retired in, like, 2012. Uh, It sucks to see Christian going from performing at the Royal Rumble and then the storylines you're thinking about with Edge heading to WrestleMania. uh, And then, you know, it just sucks that didn't work out. Now he's in AEW. Uh, But WWE doesn't do anything with him. That's what sucks about it or plan for anything with him, and then lets him go to AEW. And then uh, I guess it's hopefully Christian can close out his career on his terms now, Dr. Trey. It's certainly a massive botch by WWE here is, is what I'm trying to get at. Like, it sucks that WWE had this in the palms of their hand, and they did not take advantage of it. Like, they welcomed Christian back to the squared circle for the first time since he retired. They opened that door. And AEW, like, is now going to be the ones that close it for this part of his career. Like, uh, what a botch by WWE for not signing him following the Royal Rumble. Your thoughts here as Christian Cage has landed in all elite wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy for Christian to to get a chance to be on a stage where he can kind of do things on his own terms. And, you know, to a degree, you're right. Like, you know, with WWE kind of, you know, they had an opportunity to kind of do some magical stuff with, you know, Edge and Christian both being able to actually compete again. I mean, we could have had Edge and Christian New Day, Edge and Christian Usos. You know, we could have had all kinds of fun stuff uh, if, if they went that route. I I don't know about you, though, but I'm, I'm not – it was the, – the signing was – I would say it was surprising, but also kind of a letdown in my book. I don't – I love Christian, but, you know, when we're hyping up this thing, it's like a huge signing. It's like I'm thinking – you know, bigger, I don't say bigger names. It's kind of like they signed, they signed Robin. They didn't sign Batman, I guess. Uh, I can understand that. I, I certainly can. Um, I still think it was shocking, right? Like, I, I think yeah. to me, the names that was going to be with, was as always, CM Punk, uh, Christian Cage, or Kurt Angle, 
I feel like I had one more in my head that I was like, okay, I could see this happening. But I figured those were good. Those who I was prepping myself for. Like I saw Bret Hart's name thrown out there, which yeah. wouldn't have done anything for me. But I figured that was – Christian Cage was a big possibility, especially heading in the weekend you saw some reports out there that WWE and him did not come to an agreement. I, I just think it's overall disappointing that WWE is not the place where he closes out his career. Like – they're going to get a lot of miles out of Christian Cage and AEW, and, and they're already setting them up for, it looks like, a feud with Kenny Omega. I just feel like this is a big botch for WWE and, and a big gain for AEW. Yeah, and, and you're right. Like, to me, I thought it was shocking. And, you know, you go back to the history with Don Callis and, and, and Christian and Edge and those guys. Like, it makes sense on a lot of levels. I mean, you know, Kenny Omega grew up idolizing Edge and Christian. I mean, and, and Chris Jericho. So it makes a lot of sense for these guys to kind of come back together and Don Callis travel the roads with them on the independence. It makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, to me, like how much does he have left in the tank? You know, like what, is, or what are you going to be able to do? Because we don't know his limitations. If he has any limitations, if it's a full, you know, going to be 180 days, you know, ring time, or if it's, you know, going to be with a part-time, you just don't know how much you have in the tank for Christian. Kind of like you have with Sting, you know, like you don't know, what you're going to get if it's a great investment stuff. But uh, I don't know about you, but if you had signed CM Punk or if you had signed Kurt Angle, I maybe would have been a little bit higher up in, in my excitement level. Cause as much as I like Christian respect Christian, he was always kind of the sidekick, you know, and I hate to say it, but because edges overshadowed him like the majority of his career, but that's just kind of how it kind of lingers on, on my taste buds when I'm ingesting this. Yeah, it, it's it's funny that you went the direction there of Sting because I wanted to bring this up now. So we've seen in the past uh, three, four months, Sting, The Big Show, and Christian Cage have all joined AEW uh, because they're being unused in WWE. Uh, are wrestling legends finding a second life in AEW after being unused by WWE? Or is this reminiscent of TNA in the mid-2000s when they signed Booker T, Kurt Angle, Christian Cage, Jeff Hardy? And is this starting to look like TNA 2.0? I mean, honestly, when Christian Cage came out, I had flashbacks to him debuting an impact, or in TNA. And it was his impact I mean, music, by the way. Yeah, it just kind of, it all kind of like went, whoa, all right, this is very reminiscent of that. Um it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, it's, it's a chance for these guys to per, still perform because um, obviously at this point in their careers, WWE doesn't really have a whole lot for them to, to use them for because they're trying to build up their, you know, their workhorses, you know, so to speak, you know, the Seths and, and the Romans and those guys that they're building the company around. And these guys are now no longer franchise players. They're more the aging DH that's hanging on to either hit homers or strike out. Um, you know, and it, that's kind of what TNA was doing back in those days as well. Where, and the, the crazy thing is, people criticize TNA up and down when they made these signings usually, and yet the AEW fans are eating it up. And I'm going, it's it's kind of hypocritical. It's, it's literally a lot of the same things. Although you look back at those TNA days, and you got some great match, matches out of Angle and Sting and, and Cage and you know Booker T, even you know at the end you know with the main event Mafia, you had some good performances. But it was widely knocked when TNA did it. And for some reason with AEW, people are like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm like, you don't know what you're going to get with, you know, these last three signings. You don't know how much mileage they have left on the, you know, how much mileage they have left on those tires. I mean, you might get three or four matches out of Christian and the doctors would shut them down. It's just, to me, the unknown is where I'm kind of hedging my bets right now. Yeah, the the part about AEW that I really like is it's, it's new, it's fresh. Even with Jericho, I didn't feel like it was oversaturating with uh, ex-WWE stars. But in recent months, adding Sting, adding Big Show, adding Christian, it's uh, I'm excited for them to, to, to be utilized, but it is taking away time from somebody that could be elevated. Or they may elevate someone. This is To me, it's, it's very similar to AJ Styles and Samoa Joe also being paired up with Christian Cage and Kurt Angle. To Kenny Omega and MJF now being paired up with Sting, uh, Big Show, Christian Cage, and I guess if you want to throw in Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho as well. So we wanted things to be different, but we also realized, and Chris Jericho said this in an interview recently, like if you're trying to expand the product, you need to have recognizable names. Big Show's recognizable. Paul White's recognizable in India, uh, as is Christian. 
they may not be recognizable in China like an MJF. Uh, or they're going to be more recognizable, I should say, in, in China than they would be like MJF or Scorpio Sky or Darby Allen. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see what how this plays out. But it is very TNA-esque, and I'm happy for Christian Cage. But it does have that TNA vibe to it. And that's something that we certainly knocked here on the Still Real Tough show. Uh, and wrestling fans knocked back in the mid-2000s when it was going on as well. Uh, switching gears over to WWE, Dr. Trey, it was announced this past week starting on, uh, well, I guess we'll, obviously on Monday for WrestleMania week, you'll have Raw. On Tuesday, you'll have the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, both the 2020 class and the 2021. Molly Holly was announced as the first inductee for the 2021 class. That'll be on the uh, on Peacock. Uh, Wednesday, NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver will take place on the USA Network. And then it will also be, that'll be night one. Night two of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver will take place on Thursday exclusively on Peacock. Friday, if you got SmackDown. Saturday, night one of WrestleMania 37. And then Sunday night, WrestleMania uh, 37, night two. So we will literally have eight straight days of professional wrestling with WrestleMania week, Dr. Trey. I'm already looking at it from a programming perspective from us. We may have to release a podcast like on Tuesday to kick off WrestleMania week rather than be in the midst of it. Your thoughts here on the big news of WrestleMania 37 week being completely loaded with wrestling content at your fingertips? Uh, it, it's <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's it's you know a few years ago you and I was there and go man can we really have WrestleMania be seven and a half hours long and WWE said hold my beer <laughs> just, we can make this thing last all week long baby um, but hey if you're trying to get more eyes on the peacock network which i don't know if i'll ever be comfortable saying peacock network um this is a great way to do it you're going to have a ton of content uh for them to get people to subscribe and sign up if you want to see all this you know eight crazy nights of action you got to get the peacock subscription so uh it's a good move on wwe part good move on nbc universal's part um but yeah that's a lot of content because we have to ingest that plus our AEW and Impact content as well. It's just a lot to take in over that eight-day period. Yeah, it is. It is a lot. It, it's exciting because it is WrestleMania week. WrestleMania is very uh, time-consuming for wrestling fans in general. Uh, but I guess if you enjoy, it, then then you know what's gonna you're gonna be able to uh, to sit back and relax and enjoy some wrestling. But that's eight straight nights of wrestling. Plus, as Doctor Trey pointed out, Impact Wrestling and AEW Dynamite as well. So. Stay tuned here on what we'll be doing with the Still Realtor show, but my early thoughts is that uh, we'll probably have to release the show earlier than we normally do to get you ready for WrestleMania 37 week on like that Tuesday than uh, be in the middle of it like we would be on our normal Thursday. So stay tuned here on SRTU. And then lastly, Dr. Trey, I would be remiss if I did not mention a year ago today on the 11th of March is when the uh, pandemic uh, really took a hold of the United States, and a lot has changed. You and I did a podcast the next day on the 12th of March, and I've always referred to it as one of the most like depressing podcasts I've ever done. There's this realization that uh, life as we knew it was not going to be the same. Uh, as time has gone on, I think we've we've all obviously adapted to the uh, the trials and tribulations that surround us with the pandemic. And I think here we sit a year later, exactly a year later, and uh, I think we have some sort of glimmer of hope, some light at the end of this tunnel. And you're going to see that with WWE touting WrestleMania as being back in business. They'll they'll sell in tickets. They're going to have fans in the stands for the first time in well over a year, which is big for WWE. Uh, AEW is getting some more fans at their shows. People are getting vaccinated. Cases are dropping. Deaths are dropping. Hospitalizations are dropping, thankfully. Uh, even though some mask mandates are being lifted, this is not to get political, but obviously we, we want to see this pandemic come to an end. But it is uh, definitely defined and, and shaped us and molded us, made us tougher. It is, it's been something that has been around now for a full entire year. Dr. Troy, from both a personal, professional, and wrestling fan perspective, what is it like to look back a year from uh, a year ago from the whole start of this COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, it's it's crazy that you say it's a year because on some hand, and, and I, my wife and I have talked about this, in, in some instances of this whole time, it feels like a lifetime ago because it just feels like it was forever ago. But then you look at it and you're like, man, you know, really a lot of uh, it, it kind of because there was so much going on during that year, it kind of felt like it went by fast. But then you look back and it's like, man, it seems like forever ago. 
Like, I can't remember the last time I walked into a restaurant and didn't have to have a mask somewhere on my person. Like, it just seems like that's a foreign thought. Um, and then you look at the world of professional wrestling, and we've gotten used to the Impact Building being empty, or AEW having the wrestlers in the stands, or now the WWE Thunderdome. It's like, man, you know, we haven't had a live, this is awesome chance from a crowded wrestling in over a year. Like, that it just blows my mind. And But I will say, like, the fact that how well we as a society, for the most part, have adapted and survived, uh, and wrestling has done the same, is a testament to us as human beings being able to go, all right, this is what we're going on. How do we keep moving forward? Um, I think that's just the quality that all humans maintain, that no matter what gets thrown at us, we somehow figure out a way to keep moving forward. Uh, and, and you sit there and go, man, you know, 2020 was a bad year. 2021 hasn't been a great start, but it's not as bad as the first three months of 2020, at least. So there is some light at the end of this tunnel. Uh, and, and we as a people just got to keep moving towards that light. And hopefully it's a shining light of hope and not just some other calamity staring us down. Yeah, I think that's really well said, man. I, I couldn't put it better myself. Um, yeah, it's it's been a long process. Hopefully this is the beginning of the end. Hopefully we're in the midst of the end, I should say. And uh, we're starting to see some hope, seen from a wrestling fan perspective, with fans being in attendance, whether it be AW or WWE so soon. And uh, hopefully we'll be back at our wrestling shows here in the coming months heading into the summer. So everybody just hold on tight. If it, you know, you're know you someone that wants to get vaccinated, get it when it's your turn. I, I'm fully vac- vaccinated. I, I, don't, I don't have a third arm. Uh, my hair is still red. So it's all good on this front, but um, yeah, it, it's it's been it's been difficult. We've talked about the impact of this show during this all. It was like while hell was going on, this was really the one constant all the time. And I hope that was the same for all of you as well. Was this little box that we call the Still Real Thug Show was something you could uh, get away from for a little bit, especially in those first couple of months of the pandemic, and uh, turn off the world and listen to some wrestling talk from uh, Dr. Trey and myself. So uh, with that being said, let's close up shop on this week's edition of the Still Real Toast Show. Uh, let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download this show every Thursday at thebowershow.com, Net on Twitter, and the Still Real Toast Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us on the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter, myself at SRTU Jeff, and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rockison Championship Wrestling. Uh, as we had, we just had a big show this past Saturday. As we head closer and closer uh, to Wrestling Con Four coming up May 15th uh, from Huntsville, Alabama. So if you're in the area, be sure to check out Rocket City's page to get tickets. Uh, and for all the Rocket City merchandise, you can check out bootandheel.com. Just search out Rocket City Championship Wrestling. You can find it there. As my lovely wife and I are preparing to uh, release her new shirt for her solo group, she's got a stable, Jeff. She's got her own group. She's the focal point of this. Looking forward to seeing how people react to her new shirt coming out as well. So, uh Really proud of how far she's coming as a, as a wrestling manager in this world. Yeah, I saw that. I saw the design up on your Facebook page. That looks really badass, man. Oh yeah, and then I also posted the, uh, the Bray Wyatt figure that we talked about last show as well. Yes, yeah, go out there and check it out. Facebook.com slash the Real Show for that Bray Wyatt figure that Doctor Trey was talking about, and also post up your wife's wrestling shirt and how folks can uh, go out there and support you guys, support her uh, in the world of professional wrestling. So uh, next week we'll be back here. Uh, we'll be previewing and predicting WWE Fastlane, the last pay-per-view heading into WrestleMania 37. So the road to WrestleMania will be pretty clear, hopefully, in about two weeks. I know there's some reports out there that uh, they're back at square one, which is kind of typical for WWE. So interesting week for the world of professional wrestling, AW Revolution, the books. Uh, a Shockmaster-esque explosion closes their show. We won't have an explosion close this show because we can't lie the match really well. So uh, until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. Stay safe. This is the Still Real Show. I'll take your best shot. I'll take your best shot.
Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.